The advice and opinions expressed by the host of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. The Center for Autism and Related Disorders advises working with a board-certified behavior analyst who has experience with autism before starting any intensive behavioral intervention. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. autism live i'm shannon penrod and man is there a lot going on this morning <laughs> so much going on i'm like trying to cancel an optometry appointment uh, i just said to traven about 10 minutes ago i was like mm, yesterday was a bad day to take off because there were too many things going on and some of them are things i gotta tell you first of all right now if you are watching us live i you'll go to facebook i have something posted on my facebook page i think traven either has something on Autism Live up or will have something li live up in a second, but it was up two days ago. We did a video, uh, we did a live show with Lisa Ackerman two days ago. And Lisa Ackerman, founder of Taka. And Taka's getting ready to have their conference that's coming up in a month on October 15th, 16th, and 17th. And the tickets are a great price today. They're a great price today. But I have an even better deal for you right now if you're watching and paying attention right now. If you will go to Facebook, find the video with Lisa, just share it, share it anywhere, and then shoot us a quick email at autism live, so autismlive at gmail.com and tell us where you shared it. And at the end of this hour, we're gonna pick 25 people at random. So don't miss out on this. Uh, get register and have the chance to win a free ticket to that conference. It's virtual and you don't even have to go on those days if you're like, Shannon, that's like the busiest weekend of the year for me, they've got you because you can watch those videos through the end of the year, which is fantabulous, right? So if you want to win those tickets, you got to do something right now. Just go, it's on my, I know it's on my Facebook because I just put it there and the video link is there. Just share it, <laughs> just share it. Uh, I'm, you know, I don't care where you share it, share it someplace, tweet it, I don't care. Share it someplace, right? And then shoot us an email it's the email is uh, autismlive at gmail.com. Tell us where you shared it. And um, then at the end of the hour, uh, and Traven, I'm going to need for you to do it because I can't be doing that at the same time. I'm going to, uh, so what Traven's going to do is uh, I think we'll probably go like 10 minutes before the hour and Traven will really quickly pull out the names and then Traven, if you can send them to me in the chat and I will read off the names and you will know who won. Okay. So, um, all good for that. Now th that's an amazing conference and that's coming up in October. Let me tell you something. If you're in the mood for a conference today, there is a conference that is starting today. It is a global conference that is happening in greater, greater Phoenix uh arizona and what's wonderful is that in just an hour i believe it's in just an hour dr grant pichet and i are speaking on the topic of what am i missing and this was something we were talking about like what what would we love to cover if we had an hour to cover and based on conversations that we have with you guys all the time i feel like a lot of people you know you get started you get over the hump and you get started and you're you know you're uh, chugging along and you're getting things done and you're making progress, but then you sort of hit a wall where progress stagnates or you're like, we were making such good progress, but like, it feels like there's a piece missing here. Like we're just not, we're not getting where we thought we were going to get and we're working really hard and we want to know why. So, um, Dr. Grampiche and I put together a presentation called what am I missing? Filled with resources on like all the top things. Like, have you looked at sleep? Have you looked at 
biomedical? Have you looked at, you know, uh, like all the pieces that you got to put together in order to make sure you're, you're getting it all done? Cause, and you don't have to do all of them, but sometimes you're missing one little element. Um, and so uh, that's a presentation that we're doing in an hour. Here's the thing about that conference. It's both in-person and virtual as well. And when you buy tickets to it, like if you're saying, Shannon, I'm not available in an hour to watch this thing that you and Dr. Grampuchet did, don't worry because you can register and then you can watch the videos later on. In fact, we're not even doing the Q&A after the talk because the talk is recorded. Um, we're doing the Q&A in a week and a half um, on a Tuesday in the afternoon. So, um, but in order to get the link for that, you got to go to the conference talk and then you get the link and then you get the, that's how that works. So if you want to go to that conference, go to P hxautism.org. So that's for phoenixautism.org. And you'll be right there um, that you can learn more about the conference there. So that starts this morning, which is truly fabulous. And they've got amazing speakers. And as I said, Dr. Grampuchet and I are speaking, they're showing our talk, I think in an hour, if I'm doing the math right. Phoenix is, I, I don't know which time zone it's on at this time of year. So I think it's in an hour. I hope it's not right now. Uh, but go to phxautism.org. This is why I say there's so much going on this morning. And we got Bonnie Yates coming up in just a minute. But I'll tell you right now, if you have not registered for those free tickets for the Taka conference, really want to urge you to do that. All you have to do is share the Lisa Ackerman video. It's up on my personal Facebook right now. Just share it. You can share it right from my page, share it, and then shoot us an email. And uh, the email address is autismlive at gmail.com. Tell us that you shared it. And then you'll be entered to be one of 25 people that are going to get a free ticket to go to the TACA conference. Now, if you're in Southern California and you don't win one of the T's, talk to your regional center professional so that they can hook you up with a free ticket. They will scholarship you there. Also, there is a discount if you get your tickets. It ends today. I believe, I want to say, was it $49? I'm not 100% sure, but it was really uh, a lot less expensive. And it's three days of conferences and you get the videos until the end of the year which is pretty sweet. Uh, so anyway, I did take the day off yesterday because it was my birthday. I got my birthday crown. I want to do a, a very specific, That this is, I didn't even wear it yesterday. I wore it before and now I'm wearing it today. But I really want to say thank you to Parker. Parker, I got the video at me and it was hilarious. Uh, Parker sent me this video and I, I opened up the video and it was this um, man singing happy birthday to me. And I thought, Oh my gosh, Parker made a video. That's what Parker looks like. I thought Parker was much younger than that. I And I didn't picture Parker with an Australian accent. And I was sitting here thinking to myself, that just goes to show that you don't know, Shannon, what you don't know. And then I realized it was not Parker, that it was someone else. So Parker, then that made me laugh hysterically uh, that I thought for a hot minute, I thought that man was you. Uh, but he the, but it was a video where he sang happy birthday to me, personalized Um so uh, it was hilarious, Parker, and thank you so much. And thank you for posting the phxautism.org on Facebook. We appreciate that. So, uh, all right, we got some of that stuff out of the way. Okay, <laughs> like crazy morning. Want to remind everybody we're live right now. Today is Thursday, the 16th of September, 2021. Bonnie Yates will be our guest a little bit later on. At, oh, Huma, thank you so much. Uh, happy birthday from Pakistan. So thrilled uh, that you're here with us. Uh, Purple Lover. Hi there. My son is three years and four months old. I've got skills and he's achieved a lot. I'm so happy to hear that, Purple Lover. For those of you who watch the show on a regular basis, you've heard us talk about skills and IBT, uh, which is the Institute for Behavioral Training. And um, they're great tools. Oh my gosh, they're great tools. Right now, um, because of COVID, they're not available to new customers. We're hoping that that will change in the future. The, the current customers are being supported, but they're not taking on new commercial customers because they want to make sure that they're um, handling you know, what they have and not taking on new people. So Purple Lover, I'm so glad that you have it and that you're using. Um, 
so my, and they said, my question is whatever is in the skills curriculum, is it for like three to four years old? I mean, in my son's case. So here's the thing with skills is that it's this ginormous thing. And then for that, that covers every single skill that even begins to emerge up to age, I believe it's age eight. Um, But people always panic and think, you know, because skills living is for skills that start emerging at 12. And people go, well, there's nothing for people that are eight to 11, which isn't true because the skills that start to emerge when you're eight are skills that you work on the rest of your life. Um, But I hope we don't have 10 year olds who are learning how to balance their checkbook. So the skills living picks up with things that don't come into play until later. But you'll see that even the things that are in skills, man, there's stuff in skills that I'm still working on, right? Um, that are that are things about being self-actualized and getting better at things that start when you're eight. So, um, and it goes birth emerging skills. So emerging means it's just starting to blossom, not all the way there, right? That go, so skills goes from birth to eight emerging but really covers skills that you're going to learn your whole life. So here's the thing with skills is that in the beginning, when you do it, you take um, a little bit of an assessment about the child. It's so important you put in their actual birth date because they're going to base everything on that. And it, what it does is the system automatically doesn't give you skills that would be appropriate to emerge when you're eight because there are things that a three-year-old really shouldn't be worried about that an eight-year-old needs to start worrying about, right? Uh, Like we don't worry about um, saliency, for instance. Saliency is a lesson where we teach someone how to pick the the really important parts of the, the story to repeat. So if somebody, you know, goes and asks grandma a question and grandma says, oh, um, you know, it's really important that you turn the oven down uh, in 13 minutes because the cookies are going to burn. I really like your hair. I really love that ribbon in your hair. And do you know that the first time I ever tied a ribbon in your hair was when you were four, right? And now the child goes back to mom and says, what did grandma say? We want to make sure that the child pick the conversation out to repeat that are the most important, right? Like we have to turn the, the, the temperature on the cookies down in so many minutes, right? If they just, you know how, when you're talking to a friend and you go, you buried the headline, like, what? like that was the most important part. Like you left that part out, right? Well, this is the lesson. Saliency teaches that to kids. Uh, so that they pick out what are the most important parts of the headline, right? We would never teach that to a three-year-old. It's not really something that should be in their repertoire, but we begin teaching it to a seven or eight-year-old, right? So what the system does is it says, we're not going to bother you with the stuff that isn't appropriate for your child. We're only going to give you stuff that's age appropriate. And then it looks at your child's skill level, which you filled out because you took the assessment and it will base it on that. And the lessons that are there for a three and a four-year-old are, there's just so many things that are there that it will be overwhelming to you so that you still have to winnow it down from there and go, okay, what are we starting with? And it's just, it's funny because I, my son started college a couple of weeks ago and I've been saying to him, well, he wants to take this class. And I'm like, well, you can't take that class because you haven't taken the prerequisite. It's just like that in skills that you'll find a lesson. You'll go, oh, I want my child to know this. But the first thing you do is look at the prerequisites. Because often it will say, well, in order to teach this, they have to have these four lessons first. And you go, oh, I never would have thought about the fact that they need to have that before they have this. But it sets them up for success, just like taking the college class. So there's a lot of stuff for a three and four year old, just so, 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 so very much stuff. And I'm glad that you have skills and I'm sorry for everybody else who can't get into skills right now. All right. Um, do want to tell you a couple of things. As I mentioned, we're live. We love your questions. We love being interactive like we just were with Purple Lover. And so if you're a blue lover and you got something that you want to add, please do it right now. Reminding everybody, share that Lisa Ackerman video, send an email to autismlive at gmail, get registered in this hour at the end of this hour. There it is. We got less than an hour 
and you get registered and 25 people are going to win these free tickets for this virtual conference that you can go those three days, but you can also watch the videos. It's hundreds of hours of videos that you can watch up till the end of the year. Uh, yes. Parker says, share the video like I did. Uh, and then at the end of the hour, Traven's going to pull names out of a hat and tell me who won. 25 people are going to get free tickets to this conference. It's going to be so exciting. Okay. Uh, also want to remind you that we have lots of experts on the show here. I'm not one of them. I am someone who is my credential. My main credential is that I'm a mom. My son was diagnosed with autism at two and a half. As I mentioned, he started college working a job. He is so busy. I see him in passing. <laughs> like, um, but that's a really good thing. That's a really, really good thing. So I want to pay it forward. I want to help you to find what you need. And we always say here that we're here to provide information and inspiration to that larger autism community. It starts with individuals who are on the spectrum. They are the beating heart of our community, but we also include everyone who loves those individuals, right? Uh, so if you qualify as, as, any one of those things, then we hope that you're here and that you speak up. Sometimes you're the teacher. Sometimes you ask a question. And while I'm not an expert, I will try to chase down your answers as best I can. Um, I also have been hosting shows about autism for over a decade and the hair went white during that time. Um, <laughs> you know, what can I tell you? We're just like three inches from being off the rails here. Uh, Peach has written in and said, good afternoon. I'm a new viewer with a mom with a four-year-old son with autism. And Peach, welcome. Uh, I hope that uh, you'll find something that will be useful to you here. Also want to encourage you to write in. You got a question, something that you're, you're dealing with? Because four is a critical time, right? Four is a very exciting time. And we see that there are a couple of different places on the pathway where things diverge and people get to go in different directions. And four is a big deal because, you know, you're going to, if you haven't already been pressured into sending your child to preschool, that will begin at four, right? Uh, everybody wants to get our kids into school. And I'm a former school teacher. I love school. But there's a time and a place for school and there's a time and a place to be as effective as possible. And what we know from studies is that very rarely is preschool the right place for a four-year-old on the spectrum. Very rarely. And, and sparingly when they're getting good help outside of school uh, to get them ready to really go to school. I know because it's just like I, I remember just craving some form of normalcy and all the other kids, preschool, 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 we're going to do preschool, right? Um, and we had to hold back just a little bit on that and make sure that he had the skills to do preschool, but that set him up for success. Uh, oh, and she says, my son is enrolled, but we're keeping him home for now because of the pandemic. Peach, I got to ask you, have you been able to start a really good quality ABA program yet? and do it intensively. Is that something that you've done? It's interesting because uh, in just an hour, as I mentioned before, Dr. Grampichet and I are doing a talk. You can go to phxautism.org to register for that conference. And the, the topic is what am I missing, right? Where we talk about all the different things that we try to do. Um, and at four, it could be so overwhelming. So Peach, write in, what are you looking for? with what's kicking your keister and what are you celebrating? We'd love to hear. Um, also want to say that uh, we, I always say don't count, I'm not the expert, right? But I love, 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 love to be somebody who chases down information for, for you and says, here's a resource, here's a place to go, here's a thing that might help you. It's not one size fits all, right? But what we know for sure is that it's impossible to do this by yourself. Nobody can. We all thought we could, didn't work out, right? You got to lean into the tribe. And you know what I say? We get there together. We hold hands. Si se puede. Yes, you can do this. I know that for sure. I know that you can do this. You know how I know that? Because I made it through and I did not have my stuff together. Can we just be honest and real here for a second? My stuff was not, and you know what I mean by stuff. It was not uh, 
together. Uh, Peach says, we have an ABA therapist that has been coming to the house a few days per week for the past six months. Um, and I love that, Peach. I, I, I know that in this pandemic, it's next to impossible. But really, at four, you want to be doing a 40-hour quality ABA program. And, and I know that almost no one has that right now because there is such a shortage. We are really hoping that this month there's going to be a turnaround with that and that people are going to return to work. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough, but 40 hours is really what you want to be doing 40 hours a week. And I know you go, what? That's a full time job. It is, but if they're doing it right and if it's quality ABA therapy, he's going to be having so much fun that he's not going to know it's a job. He, he will be just like, wow, this is super duper fun, except sometimes it won't be fun and he will get frustrated. And I want to make sure that I point this out, that there's a difference between frustration and when someone is being mean to your child. He will get frustrated sometimes, but I just want to tell you what my son said after he was done with his therapy, when he was around 10 um, and he was watching a video of another child who was having a moment during therapy and crying. And my son, I was crying watching it. And the mom in the video was crying and the kid is crying. And my son walks up and he was like, what are you all crying about? He's just frustrated. And no one ever dies from frustration, mom. Frustration is when things are about to change for the better. 10 year old who had been nonverbal at one point. Right. So you got to make room for them to be frustrated because you get frustrated. Don't you? I get frustrated when I got to learn something new. Um, and it's not working out the first time. I like to be good at stuff. I don't like to be, you know, stumbling for something. Right. But then when you get it, Ooh, it's good stuff. It's really good stuff. So, but 40 hours and it is, and she says it's rough. It really is, especially since his preschool, provides ABA speech and OT therapies, but we can't risk getting him sick. Let me tell you something, Peach. Your school, the ABA that they do, I don't know your school, so I'm going to speak in generalities. Maybe your school is the, the big one exception in the world that they're doing good ABA in the school, but that's what it would be. It would be a big exception. When people say that they're doing ABA at school, very rarely they are. They're, everybody, every school uses ABA techniques. And if they use them well, that's good. But I'm talking about intensive one-to-one -one ABA. I don't, I I'm going to venture, I'm going to guess that your school is not doing that. This pandemic in, in this regard to you is a little bit of a gift because they would be pushing you hard to go to the school. And the fact of the matter is, is that right now at four, in all likelihood, what he needs is intensive ABA one-on-one. -on -one, and that will set him up to be successful at school. So uh, I hate this pandemic. It's been terrible, but in this regard, it's gonna be your friend for the next few months. I, I love that he's at home, but what I want is that ABA therapist coming over all the time. <laughs> like not just a couple of times a week. I, I Like we need a team of people and it can't just be one people 40 hours. So, um, uh, and I'm seeing you're in New Jersey. You've got some good resources in New Jersey. You've got Dr. Jed Bates children. So we're quite lucky. Um, yes, except that look at the studies, uh, preschool, special education, preschool doesn't show any sign of being what our kids need. Um, it just isn't. The reason why insurance pays for a 40 hour program for a child who's four um, with ABA, intensive ABA, is because that's what's shown to be effective. Just, you, you don't even have to believe me. I could trot my kid down here and you could talk to him and you go, oh, okay, but that's her kid. But think about how expensive ABA 40 hour program is and realize that insurance is willing to pay for it. And you go, oh, okay, there must be some real studies there. And there are. Um, that show that that's what's effective. All right, we're, we're so running low on time. So really quickly, we're gonna do our jargon of the day. Ready? Here we go. This is when we take on one word, one phrase, one acronym, and we try to figure out what in the hey nani nani are the experts talking about? What's it got to do with me? And why do I have to learn this? So today's term is preference assessment. 
Oh my gosh, that sounds so dry, right? Like <laughs> a preference assessment. I, I I hate it when people use use the word assessment because I'm like, who are you trying to impress, right? An assessment is a test uh, or a survey. Like, why do we have to say assessment? But okay, and a preference assessment. It sounds so dry, but in reality, it's the key to happiness, right? So let's take a look at our actual definition and see if we can't make fun of this actual definition. Preference assessment is a procedure to determine the stimuli that a person prefers, the relative preference of those stimuli, and their presumed value as potential reinforcers. I love it when experts take something that is beautiful, natural, and wonderful, and they... <laughs> Take it and make it as dry as a stick in Texas. Do you, you know what I'm saying? It's like a procedure to determine the stimuli that a person prefers. Oh, let's throw this definition in the toilet. Let's see if we can't come up with something better. Let's move on to our working definition and see if we can't get a hold of this puppy. Because a preference assessment is asking the person, what do you want? Uh, we don't we don't have enough on the the thing, but that's okay. What do you want? So I can do this with you. You're an adult, and I can say to you, you got a rough day ahead of you. So what would you what would be the thing that would make you feel good today? What is the thing that would you know if I promised you chocolate cake at the end of the day, would that be a thing that would get you excited? And you might say to me, No, I don't really feel like chocolate uh, cake today. But what I'd like is to be able to have an hour to myself later on, right? That would be me giving you a preference assessment. And just try this out for size. Like, how do you think your day would go if you knew that you had something that you really wanted coming to you at the end of the day? Or in an hour, I can make it as, I can say, you know, at the end of this hour, we're going to give away those tickets to Taka, right? Um, you know, but the key here is that we're doing the assessment part of it. We're asking, we're giving the survey. Now, we know that we would, we would like to get what we want, right? How is it any different when we're talking to a three-year-old or a five-year-old or a 15-year-old? They want what they want to. And a lot of times we, here we go, rewarding or reinforcing for someone. So we need to do this on a regular basis. We need to check in with the people that we love, but especially if we're trying to teach someone we want to check in with them about what would you like? What would make you happy? What would make this easier for you? Because learning can sometimes be emotional and hard, right? So um, we're always wanting to give someone something that is meaningful to them. But you might say to me, well, Shannon, I have a two-year-old who's nonverbal. Uh, how am I going to do a preference assessment? We do preference assessments all the time. We give people a choice. Which one would you like? You can take a very little baby and you can put three toys on the floor and you see which one the baby crawls to. That's a preference assessment. Isn't that wonderful? And do um, is that we, the thing that makes ABA, I think, work as well as it does is that we do preference assessments on a regular basis because we can never assume what is meaningful to another person, right? And we, what I hate more than anything else is when I see someone giving a reinforcer in a very rote manner. Uh, the first time, this is a great example, Peach, the first time that um, when my son was turning three, we were offered a preschool situation. This is all going to flow very nicely into having Bonnie Yates, special education attorney here. The, I asked to see the placement. They said, okay, you can come over and see the placement at this and so time. My husband and I go, they take us into the horrible little trailer at the end of the walkway, the furthest from the school. And I see kids on the autism spectrum in this room. There's only five kids in the room. And there is a, a person sitting there, quote, doing ABA with a child. Um, and the child had uh, noise canceling headphones on. The person was sitting next to them, pointing to something on the sheet. The child would then, you know, point to something else and they would just slide uh, one of those stick pretzels over to the child when they would point to the right thing. 
And the child often didn't even notice that a pretzel had been slid towards them. Okay, that's the kind of ABA that sometimes that we see that schools are doing. Well, that's just technical term is poo, um, because if, if it's not a meaningful reward to the individual, you're not doing good ABA. And in order for it to be meaningful, you got to check in every once in a while and say, what would you like? So for that to have been good ABA, they would have had to have shown the child three pictures. What, do, what are we working for today? Do you want pretzels? Do you want candy? Or do you want playtime on the playground? And the child picks the card that they want, right? And we go, okay, we set that card there and we're going to do we're going to do a couple of these and we do them and, and we go, yo, you get a sticker here with that. Yay. And the child should be going like, yay. And we do another one and you got another sticker where you get five. We're going to go to the playground, right? It's got to be that level of intensity and it's got to be that meaningful to the kiddo. And you got to check in it because if we give the playground every time, eventually the kid's going to be like, I don't want to go to the playground. I've been to the playground. It's hot outside. I don't, I'm done with the playground, right? And the pretzel, the kid was not being excited about the pretzel and the person was not making it exciting. That is the steaming pile of poo ABA. So preference assessments, we need to be doing those no matter what setting we're in. It needs to happen on a regular basis. We check in to see what somebody wants and we will see that we all get more excited about doing things if we have a preference assessment done. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and skip everything else and bring Bonnie Yates in because we're running really late here. Bonnie Yates is a special education attorney with Tolner Law Offices. She's amazing. And I'm going to bring her in and let her tell us a little bit about Tolner Law Offices. And she's going to be talking with us about special education law and knowing your rights. In fact, we call this segment Your Rights with Bonnie Yates. Bonnie, I see that you're there. Traven, can I'm you bring there. her in? Hello, madam. Happy birthday, Shannon. Thank you so much. And thank everyone at Tolner Law Offices. I saw that they posted uh, a, a thing saying happy birthday to me. That was very Really? Sweet. I didn't even put them up to that. That's pretty cool. They did that. I saw that this morning and I thought, look at that. That is so nice. I guess, I guess they know that you're the like, you know, exclamation point percentage dollar sign hashtag ampersand person that you are. <laughs> well, it's funny. I, I just never thought in my life I would be friends with so many lawyers. Like I did not see. Yeah. <laughs> the, un the unintended consequences. I'm not touching that one. Um <laughs> Homer Law Offices, we're a 12-attorney firm. We're based in San Jose. We have a Southern California office. We have um, an attorney that's licensed in Arizona. Um, what we really are is a bunch of people that care a lot about um, disabilities because most of us have been touched by them in our own personal lives. Um, and I feel lucky to be working with this group of people because they're all super smart. So. With that said, if you want more information about Tolner, uh, T-O-L-L-N-E-R, just look at, look us up on um, the web. Uh, if you go to our website, there uh, are forms you can fill out for a free consultation if you're in Cal California or Arizona. And with that, um, I want to talk to you today about things that are happening currently with special education because of the pandemic that are different from what was going on a year ago at this time. Some of the some of the uh, state guidance I was reading in order to get ready for the show was stuff that we were talking about like last fall, and I am like, oh wow, we're going into our second fall in this mode. You know, it sort of all of a sudden kind of hit me. But anyway, what I'm seeing a lot of in the IEPs that I'm reading and what I'm getting a lot of questions about is distance learning um, under emergency conditions, and so we're going to talk about that. What I want to say first, just a little reminder, if you're in California, um, there is independent study available through the education code, but that is, is, is explicitly mentioned as not being an intervention for students with IEPs. And there's a very good reason for that. It's a recognition of the fact that independent study is not um, a very good substitute for um, either in-person learning or the kind of distance learning that was available during the first uh, part of school closure. Um, the other thing is, I think I said, said this about a, a week or two ago, but I wanna mention it again, home hospital services, which generally equate to an hour a day of teaching 
are not intended uh, for students with IEPs. They're supposed to be for people that have a temporary disability until their disability resolves. But we see kids getting dumped into um, home hospital um, if they're disenrolled or if the district doesn't feel like giving them more, so watch out for the home hospital. So um, let's start with, let's start with a definition of distance learning since the, the, the term is getting thrown around a lot. For the purposes of the guidance and resources on this page, this is the CDE website, distance learning means instruction in which the student and instructor are in different locations. This may include interacting through the use of a computer and communications technology, as well as delivering instruction and check-in time with the teacher. Distance learning may include video or audio instruction in which the primary mode of communication between the student and instructor is online, instructional television, video, telecourses, or other instruction that relies on computer or communications technology. It may also include the use of print materials, incorporating assignments that are on the subject of written or oral feedback. This page provides guidance and information for teachers, students, and parents who are transitioning or have transitioned to a distance learning model. So that's the definition of distance learning. Um, please note that while this page refers to many specific resources to support local education agencies in developing, improving, and, extend, and extending instruction through their distance learning capabilities, the CDE has not extensively reviewed all resources. Individual uh, lead educational agencies are responsible for assessing the appropriateness of any specific resource prior to implementation. So that's really what that is, is that's what is available if there's, um, if there's an emergency situation that requires the closure of school for more than 10 school days, right? That's what triggers the emergency plan in your IEP. Now, the thing about the emergency plans that's really interesting is I've read a bunch of them now, and they all basically say, we might do it this way, that way, or this way, um, and we'll contact you once the emergency conditions are in effect, and then we'll let you know how we're gonna do this. And that really is not acceptable. It doesn't pass muster. What you should know is that the next time you have an IEP meeting, if you don't have an emergency plan in place already, they're late, because everybody in California was supposed to have one by June 30th. But in any event, use that opportunity to either clean up or, or initiate a distance learning plan that talks about what your student needs. And, and Sarah Fairchild, who's an attorney with our office, said that what she likes to do is she likes to start with talking about whether the student can even participate in asynchronous learning. You know, she likes to talk about what the student can do from the home environment, what he can't do, what kind of supports he needs. And, and we all know now that you can ask for, and in some cases, the state and federal government say in-home services um, may be warranted, and also parent training may be warranted if that's necessary in order for the parent to assist with the implementation of an IEP during a time of, of, um, of emergency conditions. So Can what I are- more pause for a second and interrupt for a second just to make sure that I'm understanding? So first of all, I think for everybody is that we have to have an awareness that in our child's IEP, there should be this emergency plan. And, and saying if, uh, just to paraphrase what you said a minute ago, if they are saying that, well, if there's school closures, we'll worry about that when we come to, we might do this and we might do that is, is not acceptable. They have right. to have a plan. But, but here's, I feel like our, our parents are falling in two separate categories right now, Bonnie. There's one category of people who are thrilled if they can get their child back into, into the physical school. Um, so I think that this information, super important for them about what happens if it's not so that nobody's caught with their pants around their ankles again. It's way too late in the game for that. People have had plenty of time to plan if there's school closure again, and please let there not be. But there's a whole other category of parents, Bonnie, and that might be something for another day, who are people that have the opportunity to send their child to school right now, but they don't want to because their child is immune compromised. Right. They, they are not able to. They are, they are not able to. And, okay. and for those children, um, 
the district is offering less this, the districts generally are offering less this year. They aren't having their teachers offer a virtual academy. Now there are exceptions. LA Unified has a virtual academy. Irvine Unified has a, a virtual academy, but, um, but a lot of school districts don't. And that's why I started out saying independent study, which is what they're offering instead for people that don't feel that it's safe to come back to school is not intended for people with IEPs and it's not a substitute for good special education services. Can we say though, cause I think that a lot of times parents are concerned about their child being immune compromised, but they don't necessarily have a doctor's note saying your child is immune compromised and should not go back to school. But can we put them all in that category that if you feel that your child should not go back because of health concerns, that that goes into the, you aren't able to, is that what you- Well, I think the way the health department and the state have left it is they're letting individual districts do that filtering. So I can't tell you what's gonna be enough documentation and what won't be. If they wanna be, if they wanna be difficult about it, then they could insist on a doctor's note. Okay, because I feel like those parents don't feel empowered to negotiate to get everything that their child needs because they, they're already being pressured to come to school and they don't want to do that. So I those feel people, like- they, Those ahead. people should be bringing their questions to the show and they should be having an IEP okay. meeting to discuss what their child needs, both during regular conditions and during emergency conditions. And just a sidebar, Um, A gentleman wrote in and said, our emergency plan is separate from our IEP. Should we work to integrate the two documents? I would say it's good to have it all in one place. Now, the thing I was going to say was, here are some of the conditions which constitute emergency conditions. And I know that's not what you want to talk about. You want to talk about what options there are for people who cannot send their kids back to school. And we can do that, but it's, it's a different topic than the topic of... Great. What I want to say with what you're doing. I just wanted to mention it, but um, I no, also wanted to bring it up later. Okay. Definitely. Great. Okay, so emergency conditions include uh, flood, fire, impassable roads, epidemic, earthquake, transportation strike, etc. So that you know, it's that's not a, a fully inclusive list. That's to give you some ideas about it. And if you you do find yourself dealing with an emergency condition. Like, for example, um, people in the Lake Tahoe area who were evacuated from their homes um, because of fire also were potentially not able to access school because the roads were closed. So, you know, it's going to be common sense and probably pretty easy to figure out whether something is is an emergency condition. Now, the thing that the state government and the federal government have been concerned about is to not let everything that needs to be done not get done because of an emergency uh, condition. And so assessments are still required and they can be done in person, even if school is closed. Um, If that's not possible, the districts are allowed to use existing data and they have to continue to take safety into account um, in terms of social distancing and things. But the important thing is that there are no timeline waivers on assessments, holding IEPs, or providing records. All of this is still required. So if the district, I've had some LA Unified IEPs where they they just did they did they didn't assess and they took a, a evaluation from a private provider that was two years old and they just put that information into the IEP. And they are vulnerable when they do that because somebody like me is gonna say, that's not an appropriate assessment. You have to pay for an outside assessment. And that's been very successful. Um, There's an interesting website that folks might wanna take a look at. It's the California Association of School Psychologists. And they have a big page on testing resources for school psychologists um, during the, you know, during, emergency conditions or, or, or even during conditions where school is still closed, but for whatever reason, it may be difficult to test a student. Um, the other thing that I wanted to mention to everybody is that the district is required to hold an IEP. They're supposed to be monitoring if the student is making progress. 
So anytime your student is not making progress, they should hold an IEP meeting. They're obligated to do so. And if they don't do so, you should feel that it's appropriate for you to call an IEP to discuss any of this. Um, and as far as this goes, if you go to the California Department of Education website, they have a lot of interesting resources and webinars for parents um, that are good to look at if, if you've got time and interest. So um, even if we're operating under emergency conditions, there are no waivers of the IDEA. So that's, that's important that everybody understand. Uh, did you want me to go on or did you have a comment, Kenny? I guess I, my comment to you, Bonnie, is for, for the assessment thing, we're, because we've heard this over and over and over the last few months, people saying, well, they said that they couldn't do an assessment. Where, what should a person do to, where do they need to quote? Do they need to call the lawyer then? What do they need to do if they're being told we can't do the assessment because, or we need to do the IEP based on the assessment from two years ago, because I'm hearing that across the board. Well, I think that you, you write them a letter and you suggest to them ways that you think they could assess. And ultimately, if they don't do so, you write them a letter and say, okay, now you owe me an outside evaluation because you failed to assess in an area of suspected disability. Okay. You've got to build um, the record. All right. That's that's really my question. I also want to point out that the dad who wrote in before with this question about should the should the IEP and the uh, emergency plan be separate notes that he is California based. I, I just want to encourage that dad that it would be worthwhile to take some time and talk with you. Um, and do you want to take just a second and let people know where they would reach you? Oh, okay. Yeah. My uh, email address is bayates at tonerlawoffices.com. My phone number is 310-245-1968. But I found something that I okay. think might respond to your other issue, and I'm just going to insert it in here before the other discussion. What okay. if what if students are unable to meaningfully engage in distance learning due to social, emotional, or mental health needs? What support should the lead educational agency provide? What are the state and federal mandates? So a federal mandate would apply in all the 50 states. So it's relevant for anybody in the US. Stu here's the answer, the Department of Ed answer. Students with disabilities are required to have educational programs that are designed to meet their specific individual needs. IEP teams are required to monitor students for educational progress and revise the IEP for any lack of expected progress toward the student's annual goals and in the general education curriculum. Additionally, the IEP team for students with disabilities whose behavior impedes learning is required to consider the use of positive behavioral interventions and support. So that's a behavior support plan. In addition, Education Code 43503 requires that distance learning includes several components, including academic and other supports designed to address the needs of pupils who are not performing at grade level or need supports in other areas such as pupils with exceptional needs. Special education related services and any other services required by the pupil's individualized education program, including the requirement of subparagraph A of paragraph nine of subdivision A of section 56345, sorry, with accommodations necessary to ensure that individualized education program can be executed in a distance learning environment. Here's the last part. Further, an LEA's learning continuity and attendance plan for the 2021 school year must outline what additional supports will be provided with, pu with for pupils with exceptional needs served across the full continuum of placements during the period in which the distance learning is provided. Okay, that's a lot of verbiage. What does it mean? It means they have to get together with you and have a meeting if their distance learning plan isn't working, right? If, they're, if the student isn't adequately progressing. And if you feel like they're not doing that and the student isn't adequately progressing, then you have an IEP meeting and you're basically going to have to tell them, this is how you're going to have to educate my child who's at home because he's autoimmune compromised or he's immunocompromised, excuse me, and he's not able to attend school at this time. Um, and you're going to have to tell them what the, what the in-home services should look like. So there, for anybody that has an IEP who can't go to school, you're going to have to make a case. But the, the authority is there 
that that they have to implement they, they they take the student with the needs that he has and they have to implement the IEP um flexibly and creatively um but legally so that the student can make progress in the curriculum i i Does just have sense? to i just have to pause for a second because i just had one of those moments when you know because all of this i think makes all of us tense um it makes us you know feel defensive and it's like oh this is so much and and it's overwhelming but i want to point out what uh Badradine just wrote in from morocco she's watching from morocco, morocco and she says that we are so lucky we you and i are so lucky to have federal mandates and that in morocco that they have nothing um they do they are asking that you clarify what you mean by an iep um, Bonnie, so so give them just the Reader's Digest of what an IEP is. So in in the in the United States, each student is entitled to have um, an individualized education plan (parentheses IEP) if he's a student who has a qualifying disability under the Individuals with Disabilities in Education Act. So all of our all of our eligible students have IEPs, and the reason we're having discussions about these previously really unheard of um, kinds of questions is because we've been at home for a year and a half, a lot of us, and haven't been able to go back to school and, and time is moving on and everybody pretty much acknowledges that this is a very suboptimal way to learn. And yet if we're gonna, you know, different people have different thresholds for what they consider to be safe. And, and those people, whose children are not able to go to school are not allowed to be frozen out and ignored. They are supposed to have a robust IEP that can be implemented during either emergency conditions or when the student is not able to go to school. And the districts are gonna push back and say they don't wanna, they're not able to provide services in the home. Well, that's not true. Um, and we had lots of contracts with outside providers that districts paid for last year for people to go into the home for students that needed that kind of support. Did they want it publicized? No. Did they want to do it? No. But did they want to do it themselves instead? No. So the squeaky wheel got the grease, you know? I mean, that's, you guys know by now, that's the way this all works. I think that's a really important thing to restate though, Bonnie, because I think a lot of people are shocked when I say to them, that there are families in particular, because, you know, I work very closely with card families. There are card families that throughout this last year, their child was getting um, school services at home. So they were getting either synchronous or asynchronous learning, but the because their child wasn't capable of just sitting there and learning from a computer screen. There's one family in particular that I can think of that the school district paid them from two separate accounts. One, they had a card therapist come and be the one-on-one aide because they had a one-on-one aide in their IEP that was supposed to be school provided. School couldn't do it. So school paid for a card aide to come to the home and sit next to the child and redirect them to learn their lessons. But the school also um, provided compensatory education to the family for the speech and OT that they couldn't come in um, and get at the school. So they had those two separate accounts. And when I tell people that, it's like they grab their chest and they go, really? Because I've been struggling all year long. And I don't, you know, I think it's news to them that people are getting that. Well, I think it's really actually more of same. You already had a very strange system that's based on hide the ball and you don't get anything unless you sue us. And now what you're getting is we're not going to encourage you to create a situation for us where your kid can't come to school and where we have a problem and that necessitates our paying for outside services. That's why I said the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Um, and for the, for the lady from Morocco who's asking questions, if she'll email me, I think that, that I'm happy to ask, answer her questions then. I don't want to do it now because it's um, a little different than what we're talking about here. Yeah, um, we've got about two minutes, Bonnie. You you run because then I need a minute and a half at the end. Okay. 
Um, well, here's an interesting quote I pulled off of the, the, the school psychologist, California Association of School Psychologists um, website, um, their internal you know, discussion um, and then their FAQs. What is the impact of school site closures on special education monitoring timelines and processes? As of July 2020, and this hasn't changed since then, the federal government has not waived the federal requirements under the IDEA. Um, so uh, the, the CDE and State Board of Education are working with the U.S. Department of Education to determine what flexibilities or waivers may be issued in light of the extraordinary circumstances. Answer, none so far. At this time, Congress has not passed any additional waiver authority concerning FAPE and least restrictive environment requirements for the IDEA, reiterating that learning must continue for all students during COVID-19. U.S. Department of uh, Education continues to provide updates and special education guidance. Here's the thing I wanted to read, because I'm always interested in showing you how I think. Given this information, CASP understands that school psychologists feel the pressure of a tsunami building. Assessments not completed during school closure and regularly scheduled assessments will all need to be completed whether doors open physically or virtually. During the time of distance learning, some schools are taking the opportunity to do assessments in one-on-one -on -one settings using safety precautions determined by their individual counties. In some exceptional situations, lead educational agencies may need to provide certain supports and services to individual students in person in order to maintain the student's mental, physical health and safety for the purposes of supporting the student and accessing the alternative options for learning being offered. With that said, alternate service delivery options should seek to comply with federal, state, and local health officials' guidelines related to physical distancing and so on. So you can you can see here that you put your finger on there's a, there's a tension here. There's a tension between what the federal government says that they have to do and what they want to do or, or are willing to do um, in light of a multiplicity of different issues. But if you come away with nothing else from the show today, if your kiddo's IEP isn't being implemented properly, that's not okay. If your kiddo has a, an emergency plan in their IEP that's, that doesn't have any specifics in it, that's not okay. If you're being offered independent study or home hospital because your kid can't come back to school right now, that's not okay. And we're just gonna have to push on through. There's, it's, it's no different. It's just as bad as it always was. It's just different facts. It's amazing. Uh, Bonnie, thank you so much for this information. We've got some amazing, by the way, some amazing dads with us this morning. And uh, Badger Dean, we apologize. Uh, sometimes I just assume moms and I should not do that. Uh, but uh, thank you for pointing out that you are a, a dad. We so appreciate you being here. Uh, and Keith as well. Um, Bonnie, tell us quickly, if people do want to reach out to you, how should they be doing that? Go to Tolner Law Offices, fill in the new client paperwork and uh, and our office administrator will put you in touch with me fantastic or uh, or any or any of the other attorneys on the website if you like them there you go there, there, there's a lot of good people that you could consult with bonnie you're awesome thank you so much you can stay or go if you like. i have to read a bunch of names of people who have already won tickets um to the taka conference you can stay bonnie or you can go but i'm gonna go because I, I love you. listen to these church bells. Thank you. Right. Happy Thank birthday. You. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Um, okay. So here's the 411 on this. We got a bunch of winners and I'm going to read these as fast as we, uh, we can, but we still have a couple of tickets left, you guys. So if you want those free tickets to the Taka conference right now, uh, we want you to share. Uh, we're going to give an extension um, for the next hour. Uh, you got to share that video that's on our feed right now. That's the Lisa Ackerman video. And then you got to email us autismlive at gmail.com. But here are our winners to date. Um, Jamie Lynn, you want a ticket. Tammy, we got three different Jills here. So I've got Jill, then, then there's a Jill H and there is a Jill S. So three Jills have won tickets. How about that? Jill must be the name of the day. Ava, you want a ticket. Carrie, you want a ticket. Parker, you're going to the conference. 
Um, also, Ilana, Rachel, Karen, Shelby, Matt, Juan, Camilla, Christine, and Rhea. So uh, all of you have won tickets. That leaves us still a handful of tickets, you guys. So if you want those tickets, you've got one, one hour. We're going to extend it. That you've got to share that video. And then you got to write to us, autismlive at gmail.com. Do it now. And uh, we will take, we'll pick the winners at random of people who submit. So please write in now. We're back on Monday with a live show, you guys. We got a big announcement that's coming up and I don't know which day we're going to be announcing it, but tune back in. We'll see you next week. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me. Oh, and don't forget, you can also go right now to phxautism.org if you want to do that conference. Dr. Grampy Shea and I, our talk, I believe, is starting right now over um, at their conference. You have to register for that conference to be able to do that. All right, you guys, see you next week. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me and one for you too. Bye-bye for now.